At City of Hope, its innovative treatments for cancer and groundbreaking research have saved millions of lives all over the world. This is City of Hope Radio with your host, Melanie Cole. Women with cancers in the pelvic region, such as cervical cancer, bladder cancer, or uterine cancer, may often have problems with incontinence. And although this is sometimes difficult to discuss, it's a very important part of recovery. My guest today is Dr. Seth Cohn. He's a urogynecologist at City of Hope. Welcome to the show, Dr. Cohn. So what type of cancers predispose a woman to incontinence and or pelvic prolapse? Sure, Melanie. Thanks for having me on the show. I think it's important to note that everything you just said is exactly right. So any sort of pelvic floor malignancy, whether it's cervical cancer, uterine cancer, ovarian cancer, or a non-disclosed tumor that impacts those tissue spaces can lead to some sort of prolapse or incontinence. And really, that happens after the primary treatment for cancer. So these are issues that tend to arise after someone's been treated for cancer, usually in the setting of, of some sort of exenitor or, or surgery where tissue is removed. Now, that all, this also can occur in situations where people have had chemotherapy or radiation to that pelvic floor area because that also damages the tissues. I think it's also important to note, though, that any sort of systemic treatment for cancer, whether it's chemotherapy, radiation, any sort of systemic treatment can really impact nerves as well and tissues in ways that we don't even know. So any sort of cancer treatment really could ultimately result in some sort of sequelae for the pelvic floor where women uh, might see some incontinence or prolapse. Women hear about pelvic floor muscles and incontinence more often in the media, but what is pelvic organ prolapse? They don't seem to hear about this quite as much. Sure, this, and this is probably the, you know, our fault as providers. This is terminology we use to communicate, but we forget that the people at large, why would they understand this? And really, it's a hernia. That's what we're talking about. It's a hernia of the pelvic floor. So the vagina, for all intents and purposes, is a potential space. And, and when tissues fall and there's laxity of the pelvic floor, like any potential space, that area is filled. So it's, it's a hernia of the vaginal canal. So what would that mean for the woman? What would they experience if they have a hernia of the vaginal canal? Common symptoms for, for women to experience are, are pressure or discomfort. Usually they'll be walking and they, they, they often describe they almost feel like something's going to fall out of their vagina, almost like a sensation of giving birth without the pain for all intents and purposes. And, and not only can it be discomforting during ambulation, it could also be discomforting during intercourse. It could be discomforting uh, when you're doing any sort of heavy lifting, if you're at the store buying groceries. Uh, any way that you can manifest by creating pressure in your thoracic cavity and abdomen, that will translate down to the pelvic floor and push those tissues out. Are there different types of prolapse, and are there ways to manage them that we could do without necessarily going through intervention? Oh, for sure. And so... So there, there are different types of prolapse, and once again, that, that tends to be nomenclature and terminology we use as providers to talk. But, but if you imagine the vagina as, uh, as three compartments, so the anterior compartment, the, the, the apical compartment, which is the top or cap of the vagina, and then the posterior compartment, any of those walls can fall in. So it's like a three, it's like a three-walled room, and at any given time, one of those walls can fall into the other, and we describe that as either anterior prolapse, apical prolapse, or posterior prolapse. And really, that those are uh, you know, pseudonyms for, for the structures behind those walls. So in front of the vagina, the anterior wall is the bladder. For the cap or the apical part of the vagina, that's the uterus and, and, and the cervix. And then for the posterior part of the vagina, that's the rectum. And when we're talking about anterior, posterior, apical prolapse, really what we're saying is this part of the vaginal wall is falling in, and most likely behind it are these other organ contents that are, are precipitating that. And there are ways, there are many ways to treat pelvic organ prolapse. You know, this is not a 
life-ending disease, thank goodness. This is a life-altering disease process. And, and if someone is at a stage in their life, if they're very elderly and they really just want to be comfortable and they're not interested in undergoing a surgical operation, there is something called a pessary, which is a uh, malleable, soft piece of plastic that we insert into the vaginal canal. And it, there are many different pessaries, but the most common one looks like a disc, almost like a Frisbee, and it raises or elevates those soft tissues so that when you are ambulating or lifting, those, those tissues aren't herniating and falling down into the vagina. And it works quite well. Now, there are, unfortunately, a lot of women just don't want to do that because it can be uncomfortable. It can limit your sexual and personal life. But for those that don't want to undergo surgery, that is certainly an option. And so the pessary, is that something that once inserted stays in there? We, we do ask that, that women either learn how to change it themselves or they come back to our office and we will help them change it approximately every six to eight weeks. And there can be a little bit, there can, there can be more vaginal discharge with the pessary in place than there would be otherwise. Uh, typically, we'll also ask them, use, ask them to use a topical solution to help maintain a pH balance within the vaginal canal when they have the pessary in or perhaps the estrogen cream itself. Uh, but usually, it's pretty low-maintenance therapy. And so when we're combining this with incontinence, which as women, as I said in my intro, are, it's difficult for women to discuss, but you see these commercials and such. What kind of interventions, Dr. Cohn, can you do to address these issues with women when they come to you? Sure. I, I think the most important thing to to note is that, you know, this shouldn't be a topic in the dark. You know, this is a quality of life issue. In today's day and age, you know, you shouldn't have to limit yourself. You know, we, we, we ask that you seek help. We want to help. That's why we're here. And we have a great team in City of Hope that's very invested in making this as, uh, um, as, as nice a process, as easy a process as possible. But to go back to your question, the, the interventions are, are a myriad. Uh, if it's everything from just plain old incontinence, we could do slings or hammocks to essentially restore outlet resistance to the urethra. The urethra is a faucet. When the faucet's washer breaks, you have to replace the washer. Now, we can't exactly replace the washer, but we can do a lot of things to reinforce the continence mechanism or the resistance of the urethra and improve that and, and then decrease the amount of leakage that occurs. If someone's having prolapse and incontinence at the same time, we can usually do procedures where we address both. It's all an issue of restoring anatomical support. Uh, we can do uh, vaginal surgery for prolapse where everything is done through the vaginal canal itself. We also can do robotic surgery now for prolapse, which has been a well-documented operation, the robotic-assisted sacrocopalpexy, to provide a mesh augment placed through the abdomen, not through the vagina, to support the anterior, the posterior vaginal wall, and really elevate that whole vaginal canal towards the sacrum and attach it to a ligament over the sacrum itself, a very strong ligament. And really, it's, you know, it's meant to fix the top of the vagina falling. We are noticing that a lot of people are using it now to fix multi-compartment prolapse. If you need to, you can always go back down below and do additional vaginal reconstruction for the prolapse at the same time. Are there certain things women can do, lifestyle modifications, that can help them? We hear about Kegel exercises and maintaining that good, strong pelvic floor. What do you tell women about that? I tell women uh, conservative therapy is always, is always what I like to start with. If, if, there is, if there is a woman who is willing to, to go through the rigors of pelvic floor physical therapy, and I say that because good pelvic floor physical therapy is not easy. It's not an easy process. You've got to go every week. You've really you got to use muscles you've never used before. It's a workout. And you really also got to have access to someone who knows what they're doing. You've got to have a good pelvic floor physical therapist working with you to make sure that you are getting the appropriate treatment. If you're willing to do that, if you're willing to go to the sessions, if you're willing to do the exercises at home, 
some women do find benefit, and especially in the realm of, of incontinence, that can be very helpful. So I would encourage women to seek that out as long as they're getting the right care and they're actually diligent about going to those sessions. And is there anything else they can do that would contribute weight loss or nutritionally or smoking? Do any of those things have to do with this? Oh, for sure. I mean, overall health wellness is something that cannot be understated. I mean, like everything else in your life, no tobacco, weight loss, eating healthy. These are all things that not only impact your, your, uh, your, your bowel movements, your pelvic floor health, they impact your overall health. No doubt weight loss will improve and lessen your incontinence and decrease the prolapse burden you, you are seeing. No doubt that smoking less will actually improve outcomes after surgery. We know that women that smoke if they undergo sacrocopalpexes, they have a higher rate of mesh extrusion over time into the vaginal wall, which is something we do not want to happen. So no doubt living a healthy lifestyle uh, cannot be understated as something that could positively impact your pelvic floor health. So wrap it up for us, Dr. Kona. It's really great information and such an important topic for women to hear. So wrap up from incontinence to prolap and back again, the ABCs of pelvic floor survivorship following cancer treatments. Sure. I, I think number one, Cancer is a process that devastates. If you make it through that, if we can, if we can help you, if we can beat the cancer back, that's, that's City of Hope's primary goal, and they do a fantastic job of it. But the journey doesn't end there. Once you finish that, if you're having issues with incontinence, with prolapse, with, with voiding dysfunction, with fecal incontinence, you, shouldn't, you should not have to live with these battle scars. There, we are out there to help you. We are out there to make your life better, whether it's through conservative therapies, whether it's through surgical endeavors. There is a, a very, very good team here at City of Hope that would rival anywhere else in the country, uh, composed of my, myself, Dr. Jonathan Warner, and Dr. Christopher Chung as the recon- pelvic reconstructive uh, uh, faculty. I think the three of us, with all of us here amongst us, we could probably tackle anything, and I truly believe that. And so we would encourage you to seek out help, and, and we're here, and we, we, we would love you, love, love you to come here and let us give you our insight into whatever we could provide. Thank you so much for being with us today. You're listening to City of Hope Radio, and for more information, you can go to cityofhope.org. That's cityofhope.org. This is Melanie Call. Thanks so much for listening.